Champion Church, welcome back for message two of How to Survive the End of the World. This week, Pastor Samuel outlines in detail the two main judgments mankind will be subject to when we leave this world, that of the judgment seat of Christ and that of the great white throne. The choice of the form of our judgment depends entirely upon what we do in this life. Which one will you choose? Here's Pastor Samuel. Seatbelt buckled, tray table put away, seatbacks in the upright position. Anybody? Come on, let's pray that we're going to get started. If you need a bulletin, though, our porters are going to walk around right now with a couple bulletins. If you need one, make sure to grab one. I don't want you to miss this. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we honor you today. Thank you for what you're about to teach us and train us in, God. We're so thankful for your word, that it's a light under our path, Lord. It illuminates our life. And God, I pray today as you share your word with us, Lord, that it would be clear, that it would be understandable, and that it would be easy for us to respond to. God, we do not just want to be hearers of your word, but we want to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. God is so good. Thank you for being here today. It's an awesome day to be in the house of God. Amen. What did you think of the worship team? Didn't they do a fine job today? Man, that is fine. Yeah, let's give them a hand clap. That is so wonderful. Hey, quick story. When I turned 17 years old, I uh, had a bunch of friends over for a little get-together at my parents' house. And uh, we, we went swimming all day. And all of a sudden, someone got a, uh, an idea that we would go wrap our youth pastor's house. So we proceeded to take all the toilet paper that we could from our parents' house. And I, I, we actually went by the grocery store and got a pack of like 24 double ply. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that holds together when you throw over the tree. Is anybody with me? Has anybody ever done this before? Raise your hand. Let me see those hands. Two of you. Thank you. Alicia, I see that hand. Believe me. I believe you. That you've done this. So we decide to drive over, right? And uh, I've got about, I don't know, six youth in my car and Dane and six in his and who knows? We've got about three cars full of kids and we're all headed to Charlie's house. Or to Wayne's house, one of those people. And, uh, and so we're driving, all of a sudden these cops fly by us, right? And I didn't see the stop sign, because I was excited about wrapping houses. And, and the toilet paper was in the way, the 24-pack, double pack, all right? And all the, everybody else. So the cop ends up, I almost hit him actually, and he ends up pulling me over, right? Because I'm a knucklehead, we can all agree. And uh, so he proceeds to say, uh, look into our car and see all these kids, me, and a 24-pack of toilet paper. And he says, so what are you guys doing tonight? And I said, oh, I I don't know. Just driving. Who knows? What are you going to do with that toilet paper, he tells me. I don't know. Like I'm like, he said, sir, step out of the car. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, right? I've got flip-flops on, board shorts. I, was, I don't even know if I was wearing a shirt. We just got out of the pool. Who knows? Little tank top, Adrian, you remember. And so I, I, I get out of the car. He takes me to the back, and he's like, hey, uh, I kind of know what you're doing. And uh, we really need to leave, but I need to know that you're immediately going to take all of these kids back home because we got to go. And I know you're just having fun. But I'm going to follow you after I do this call and find you. And if there is one house wrapped in this neighborhood, I'm hunting you down. And I said, yes, sir. Let me leave. I jumped back in the car. We immediately did not go to our youth pastor's house. I turned back around, even though the other five in the car were quite upset. But I said, I will be obedient to that police officer because I'm not going to jail on my birthday. Right? I want, I want to say something to you today that there are lots of things in life that don't really quite work out the way that you had planned them to work out, right? In your mind. Like, I thought we were going to go have a great time, wrap his house, he would wake up and, you know, toilet paper Christmas all over his house. 
And uh, I thought it was going to be awesome, but things did not turn out. And let me say this to you today, because I think it's important that we understand that for many of us, this is what it's going to be like on the other side of eternity. That when we actually pass from this life to the next, for a lot of us, it's not going to be what we had intended it to be and what we really thought it was going to be. And my goal today is to properly communicate what the Word of God says will happen when you pass from this life to the next. Simple as that. We're going to talk about what the Bible says, even though for some of us we might have thought this way, we might have thought a certain way. Let me just go to the Word and and say, Jesus, what do you say is going to happen? Can we do that today? Sounds like fun? All right, it's going to be good. You guys are going to love it. Now, when we step into eternity, the Bible tells us that, that there is going to be a judgment that we will be a part of. And what I want to say is there are two judgments And every one of us is going to appear at one judgment or the other judgment. All right? Two judgments. Two different judgments. Today I'm going to clearly explain to you the differences between both so that by the time we're done today, you're going to make a decision on which judgment throne you want to go to. This is kind of one of those things like you go to the grocery store and instead of window shopping, you actually buy something and take it home with you. Right? How many of you hate going to the mall and window shopping? Like, when, thank you, Bruce. When I go to the mall, I want to buy something. Take it home with me. Right? Amen. Praise God. So, there, number one, there will be a judgment for Christians and Christ followers. That's the first judgment. Right? That's the one we, we really want to get to. The one for Christ for Christians and Christ followers. And then the, the second judgment is a judgment for non-Christians or the unsaved people. Alright? Two separate judgments. One for Christians and one for non-Christians that did not receive Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Is that clear? And we're going to get to the Bible and ask Him what He says about this. So we're going to talk about the difference between the two. Now, the first judgment... For the Christians is is the judgment seat of Christ. This is where Christians will go when they die. The judgment seat of Christ. So if you're a Christian, the Bible says that you will be attending this judgment. Let me read the scriptures to tell you what I'm talking about here. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 says, By the grace of God has given, excuse me, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Alright? And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Somebody say, build with care. Build with care. All right. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, all right, their work will be shown for what it is. Because listen to this, church. Because the day will bring it to light. Someone say light. And it will be revealed with fire. Someone say fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So it says here that if anyone builds this foundation using gold, silver, stones, wood, hand, straw, it will be shown through fire. It will test the quality of each person's work. And if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Someone say reward. How many of you like rewards? I do. So listen, he's talking about two different types of building products. He's saying there are two different types, gold, silver, and costly stones. Those are great. Those things will last through the fire. But things that will not last is wood, hay, and straw. All right. Now, I want, I want to get you an understanding because there's a myth out there that says that when we die, everybody goes to heaven and everybody's the same. We all have the same things. We all just hang out, loving each other, doing, doing whatever it is God has for us that day. And we're all the same. Listen, it's not that way. In fact, Jesus says here that, that you are actually going to have rewards in heaven. And, and at the judgment seat... When Jesus looks at your life and and adds fire to it and burns up everything, whatever is remaining is the reward that Christ will give you in heaven. 
I always tell my youth when they come and serve, listen, youth, you are building your treasures in heaven. They don't get it most of the time. And I have to explain to them that when they actually pass from this earth to the next, Jesus will look at this. And whatever is left, that will be a reward in heaven for you. Now, it says here in verse 15, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Even though only one, only as one escaping through the flames. So he said here, there will be people that die and go before this judgment. And, and, and everything is burned up and they will barely make it to heaven with nothing in their pockets. And they will walk in just by the, by the, most, the, the, the simplest and the smallest hair. They will make it into heaven. Now the fact is they made it to heaven. So, praise God for that. But, but there's an important understanding for you and I to, to, to get today as we're talking about this type of judgment. Now, this is what's not going to happen. You're not going to go sit in a big room and with all of your friends and peers, and Jesus is not going to put your life on the screen for all to watch. I don't want to see my life again. That's not, that's not something that, that, that I don't want to see. You don't want to see that, right? We, we, yeah, As a Christian, the Bible says, therefore there, there, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen, if you are a follower of Jesus today, when you stand in front of Jesus, we are not going to answer for our sin. He's not going to look at us and start talking to us about our sin. We are not going to be held accountable for our sin because the wrath of God fell upon Jesus on the cross. He paid the price for all of our sin. Yes. So now when we arrive in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, He's not going to go, you're a sinner. He's going to look at you and you and I are going to stand there in the righteousness that Jesus afforded us yes. by His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. So we can stand there with, without any condemnation. I want to encourage you. Some of you are worried that when you get there, all of a sudden he's going to start kicking you and you're beating you up and telling you all these things. And, and then if you're alive at the end, well, come on in, little buddy. That's not the way it's going to happen. Jesus will look at you as righteous. You are counted righteous as a son and daughter in the kingdom of God. Listen, and I, for some of you, you think you can lose your salvation by the sin or by the things that you do. You need to stop that. Because if that were the case, we better ask Jesus in our heart every five minutes. Come on, somebody. We don't do that. Jesus paid for the sins past, present, and future. So you and I can stand up in righteousness. That's what I love. It. One of the greatest things about being a Christian is knowing that we will be able to stand there with righteous, a righteous heart, not condemned. But let me tell you what we will be judged for. This is important for you to understand. As a follower of Jesus, you and I will be judged for a few things. And we will take, we will account for a few things. The first thing that, that, that we will be held responsible for are our motives. Someone say motives. Those are the things that we're building our lives around. And I want to ask you a few questions here about your motives. Now, Jesus says that every area of our life will be impacted by our motives. And our motives should, when we, when we receive Christ Jesus into our hearts, begin to change. We should start wanting to love our, or love our neighbor. We should begin to act more like Jesus and less like everybody else. We, we actually begin, God says, to, He begins to transform our lives. And so our motives are very important to God. Because it will dictate what you do and how you do it on this earth. The first question I want to ask you to examine your motives today at, at Champion Church, number one is, why are you here? Why are you here today? Did you come here because you actually wanted to seek God? Or did you come here because that's kind of what you do on Sunday mornings? You just kind of come to church and put in your hour and head out the door and never think about it again. I want to question you. What are you doing here today? If your heart is for God and you want to meet God today, Amen. then that is lasting. That will produce results in your life. Amen. Way more than just a Sunday morning. Right. 
It will produce Saturday through through Monday through Saturday of, of loving people and bringing life and showing people who Jesus is. Number two, am I seeking to obey Him or negotiate with Him? See, this is a good 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 questions about what your motives are. Listen, what I mean by that is, listen, Jesus will say to you, "I want you to do A," right? And you say, Jesus, I don't really want to do A, but I'll do B, C, and D. I don't really want to love my neighbor, but I'll read the Bible a few times a day and maybe even pray for my food. What are your motives today? Are you seeking to actually obey God or just negotiate with Jesus? This is where a lot of us can be from time to time. God, I, I, I'm not going to give you my money, but man, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my relationship. Or maybe, God, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a tenth of, of my money, but, but I'm not giving any time to the house of God. See, these are things we have to wrestle with. Does God have your heart, or does He have just a little piece of it? I'll tell you, if He has your whole heart, your whole life will be different. Your whole life will change. Number three question for you and I. Am I looking at his word as a command or a suggestion? The whole sexual purity thing. Yeah, that's for those people. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. God, I appreciate your suggestion. But you know what? I, I can run my life better than you can, God. You know what I mean? I mean, these are real thoughts that, that, that for... Listen, listen, God doesn't ask things. He actually commands things. And why does He do that? He does that for your safety. He does that so that you don't trip over something that the enemy has put in your path. He does that because He can see further down the road and around the corner than you and I can. He does that like a loving Father because He knows that when He tells you to do something, you need to do it. Because there's oncoming traffic that wants to run your life over. That's the God we serve. Number four, am I living in sin with no sorrow and no desire to get out of it? Man, come on somebody. (laughs) There are people living in sin with no desire to get out of it. Man, that's just who I am. I knew a guy who came to our church for 25 years. He says, you know, this is what I do, and that's just the way God made me. Really? You need to question if you're saved and walking with Jesus, if that's your your response to God. Because what the Bible does, what Jesus does, is He comes to convict us. He convicts us of what? Sin. Listen, people say, oh, I just made a mistake. I just, I, I keep making mistakes. No, 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 no. A mistake is when you don't carry the one in a math equation. Like Olivia Grace sometimes. I encourage you. you got to carry the one, right? You can't forget about the X when you're trying to solve for X. You can't forget. Those are mistakes. Listen, cheating on your wife is not a mistake. It's called sin. I I want to be real because are you living in sin with no desire to get out of it? That's a real, a real good barometer, champions. Where your heart is in Jesus. Because let me tell you, those things, those motives, when you get to heaven, will be burned up. And the only thing that you've done with the right motives, with gold and silver and precious stones, those will last. Everything else will be burned up. Let me ask you this last question here. And I threw this in here. Am I giving him my very best? Am I giving God? Listen, I'm not asking you if you're perfect. Nobody is perfect. You know, when people start gossiping, they say, you know, I'm not perfect, but did you hear what so-and-so did? You need to stop that. Right? I mean, nobody's perfect in this place. What he's asking you, are you you giving God your best effort? When Olivia Grace takes a test, listen, when Dane and I took Spanish, we took two years of Spanish in 11 weeks. Every day we took a test. We went to school every day together. And I'm horrible at Spanish. And my whole motto was D equals degree. 
Can I get an amen? D equals degree in college, church. Especially the last 11 weeks of college. Dan and I were just praying. I would say hello to the teacher multiple times a class period because I wanted to know I loved her. And I needed her. I needed her. They knows. She loved us because we were sorry in Spanish. When I got that final result and it was a D. The degree. I was like, praise Jesus. Call, call the news. Call everybody. I was hugging that teacher. I even gave her a teddy bear at the end of that 11 weeks, didn't I? Little Osito. Don't lie, man. I'm not lying. It was awesome. I wanted to encourage you. I, I, I'm not telling you to be perfect today. I'm saying, are you giving your very best to God? Because for some of us, we give God our leftovers. Like, we're going to take the whole meal, chow down, Jesus, we got you a to-go box. We're just going to give you whatever we got left. Going to give you just a little bit of our time because the rest of our time is booked up. Jesus, you know that, right? You see all that I do, but I'm going to give you just a little bit. It's not going to hold up, church. Because God has given you the ability to do great things. Let me tell you, you and I will be held accountable for our motives. And I appreciate the barometer that God gives us here with these questions. But let me tell you this. Number one, God will, will, will challenge us in our motives and judge us for our motives. But He will also judge us in our stewardship. And that's on your notes. 1 Corinthians 3.10, By the grace of God, He has given me. He has given me this. Our lives are given to us by our Heavenly Father. Our, our, our abilities, our jobs, the things that we have in our lives have all been given to us by God. Why? Just to do whatever we want to do with it? No, it's actually for a purpose, on purpose, to do great things for Him. I want to encourage you that the first thing that we will be accountable for in regards to stewardship is our time. And according to Scripture, we will, we will be uh, responsible for that time. And, you know, I love what people say because they say, hey, you know, we just don't have time. Sorry. Wrong. Listen, the, I love this. The time is the greatest equalizer of everyone in this room because we all have the same amount of time. All of us. Nobody gets any more. There are only 24 hours in a day. Listen, and I know people, and I know that you will do whatever it is you want to do on that day. And you will make it happen if that's what you want to do. If on Saturday you want to get the boat out, go to the lake, do some skiing, I guarantee on Monday through Friday you will bust your rear end to get everything done so at 5 o'clock on Friday you are out the door and to the lake. I know what that feels like. Time. Listen, there, there's a God robber in my life, and I just got to be honest. We play this game called fantasy football. Holy smokes. And I blame Spencer, but listen, I am always, I want to win because I am competitive. And fantasy football takes way too much time in my life. Because I'll be here, amen. Because I will watch not only the Cowboy game, but I'll watch all 12 other games that day because they affect my fantasy football team. I said, Lord, this year I gotta cut back. Amen. I gotta be like, dang, he never checks his roster. <laughs> he just goes on, still wins. You know what I'm saying? There are people in here that, that text 15,000 times a week. I, there are teenagers that text non, they text just to text. I'm texting. Send. Really? What is it? What are you doing with your time? Let's be real and understand that our lives, we've got to be a good steward of the time God has given us. Amen. We will be held accountable for the time. Yes. I love this analogy. Have you ever met somebody that has a gym membership? And then you met somebody that actually uses the gym membership? <laughs> like, when I think about my gym membership, it gets used, you know? But when I look at Cody and how strong his muscles are... I think, that dude is in the gym. <laughs> and I think, Lord, I want to look like that guy. 
Somewhat. But I want to be like that. But, but I'll tell you something. What are you doing with your time for Christ? Because it's not just about Sunday morning champions. You've got to be a champion for people during the week. That's what Sunday morning's about. It's for me to kick you in your rear end, lovingly in Jesus, to get busy out there to everybody you meet. Your, their lives should be better because of you. What are you doing with your time? Number two, you will be held accountable for your money. I'm talking about some interestingly uh, insensitive, sensitive subjects, right, Dane? Like last night, I'm thinking about 12, 12.30 at night, writing it down on my board. I always do at the very end, like, make sure I got the get game plan. And I'm like, money, that's so hard for people. If you're a follower of Jesus, according to the scriptures, one day you and I are going to stand in front of a holy, righteous God and be held accountable for every dime that passes through our hands. Really? I thought that money was my money. I thought I'm the one that woke up and went to work and busted my rear end to, to make that paycheck and do all these things. Listen, everything that you have is a gift from God. Because that could all be taken away tomorrow. Did you know that? I believe the more you and I understand that everything we have is a gift, we will treat it as such. Are you giving Him your money? Are you putting Him first in your finances? Have you guys ever bought anything online? Ab roller? How many ab rollers in the house? Anybody? Nicole's mom used to buy everything online. She would sit there with a piece of paper and a pencil and credit card and infomercial.com, right? We got so many things in that house. And it sits there and we hang stuff on it. Like it doesn't even matter. And I think, Lord, what am I doing with my finances? God, how am I being used to do great things in this world with the finances that you have given me? we got to be liberal with that. We've had people over the years come bring iPads and donate all kinds of things to the kingdom of God and laptops and computers and all these different things. And it's amazing to me because those people understand that if I can just be generous, that my Heavenly Father will hook me up. When Olivia Grace gives something away, she knows that her daddy will back her up. When Jet decides to give some money of his lunch money to somebody else to buy pizza, I guarantee that Jet knows that his daddy, on the back end of that deal, is going to give him all the money that he needs. I just want to encourage you today. You serve a God that richly wants to bless your life. Don't be stingy with God's money. Don't be stingy with God's time. Because in the end, you will give account for that, for that motive and, and, and the stewardship, the things that He has given you. And that will last. If you've not been generous, be generous. If you need to go buy somebody's groceries today, get busy blessing the socks off of people. Please invest and invite. Because those people, their lives will be forever changed because of your generosity. And number three in this, the last thing we're going to be held accountable for at the judgment seat of Christ is our gifting. You need to write that down, somebody. According to Scripture, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you will have at least you have at least one spiritual gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that you and I are gifted by God with spiritual gifts to build up. Listen, listen to why He gives these to us to build up the body of Christ and serve the body with. Why did Jesus put you in this church? Just to hang out? He puts you in this church because you have a gift that champion needs. And the only way the champion ever becomes blessed is when you say, God, I really do have a gift, and I'm going to offer it to you. When you come and set up, Bob made, Bob made <coughs> doorstops for all of these doors. Yesterday it was pouring rain as we were pulling in here, pulling all the chairs in. And you know the most exciting thing on my heart that day in that moment being wet was that Bob built doorstops that would not close as you bring the chairs in. Amen. And I was thinking to myself, he didn't have to do that. But at work, some, something told him, Jesus told him, hey, the church really needs some doorstops. 
See, he used the gift of handiwork to bless the kingdom of God. And while you might think that's, that's, that's menial and small, stop all that. Whatever you sow into the kingdom produces results. And that's what I love about Jesus. That Those doorstops are going to last at the judgment seat of Christ. Because he was able to give faithfully to that. And I love that. I love the heart of that. Our gifting. What is it? Some of you don't even know what you're gifted at. You know, when I was 16, we used to go down to the water gardens. And we would preach to people. And I remember one day I got bold. I was by myself. And I walked around and met this couple. And I walked right up to this couple and I said, you know what? Jesus loves you guys. And they were an older couple. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. That's kind of weird. Little 16-year-old snotty-nosed kid telling me that Jesus loves me, right? And I remember telling him, no, no, he, he really loves you. And he, he wants to know you. And he's got a plan for your life. And if you want to, we can, we can pray together right here. You guys can receive Christ. We have a church. We'd love to invite you to come to. And I remember in that, and they didn't respond. Like, they're like, oh, man, we're, we're saved, we're Christians, praise God, whatever. And they said a few things. And I remember walking away, and I didn't walk away sad. All of a sudden, something inside of me said, Sam, you know, you, you kind of have a gift to talk to people. And I remember in that moment, I said, you know, Lord, thank you that you can fill my mouth with words of life for people. Amen. I'll tell you something. The only way that happened was because I actually put to practice the gift that I didn't even know I had. But it was because I got busy telling people the good news of Christ. I just want to encourage you today. You'll be held accountable for the gift that God has given you. Please use it. Don't withhold it, because when you hold it, you hide it, it doesn't produce anything good. You just hang on to it. I told Lily Grace, she knows how to play guitar and sing. Why did God give you that ability? For you to go be famous and make a lot of money? No, not at all. In fact, what he gave that to you for was because you will bring life to people's lives through the music that God put in your heart. And it will come out in your guitar. It will come out vocally. But everything you have is a gift, Olivia Grace. What are you doing with it? Now, that's the first judgment seat where Christians will go to. Now, if you're here today and you're a non-Christian, you've never asked Jesus in your heart, let me tell you where you're headed if you were to die today. All right? This is called the Great White Throne Judgment. And I'm going to read you some scriptures because you need to hear this. I'm going to read to you some scriptures about this. Revelation 20, 11 to 12. Put that up there for me. It says here in Revelation, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And listen to this, church. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Someone say, in the books. So if you are not a Christian today, you will stand before a holy God when you die and pass from this earth to the next. And you will have to give an account for everything that you have done on this earth. And then the wrath of God, the Bible tells us, will fall on you and you will be thrown into the lake of fire for the rest of eternity. You'll have to give an account for every sin. You'll have to figure out a way to say whatever it is you can say, but unfortunately it will be too late. See, I want to tell you something, church. The difference between a non-Christian and a Christian, the only difference is a guy named Jesus. That's the only difference. The only difference is when, when we invite Jesus into our hearts, Jesus already paid the price of sin and overcame it. But for the non-Christian, the, the sin has never been dealt with. And the Bible says the wages of your sin is death. It will not lead anywhere else unless you can make atonement for that sin, which is mean make right that sin. The only way to do that is to say, Jesus, I accept that you paid the price for me that day. And now I am counted righteous. And I will be headed to the different, the, 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 the seat of Christ. I want to encourage you. You've you got to know this. 
Because listen to this in Revelation 10, 13. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and, the, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And listen, each person was judged according to what they had done. In verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, the Bible tells us. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is Bible. This is truth. We can't argue with it. We can't try to wrestle. We can't negotiate it. God, are you sure you meant that? I mean, he says it here very clearly. You know the problem with this statement here about the great white judgment throne? Is that the statistics on hell is completely alarming. It says here that one half of 1% of Americans actually believe that they're going to hell. A half of 1%, which means that the other 9.99.5% of people believe they're just going to heaven. It's all good. Man, we're good people. God's not sending me to hell. My neighbor's rotten. He's going to send him to hell. <laughs> right? Listen to this. Listen to what Jesus says about the road to heaven versus the road to hell. Matthew 7 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, the Bible says, will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Yeah. Let me say something to you. Why does the Bible talk about all these books of the names of all the people headed to hell? And yet there is only one book of life. Yeah. And the, the names that are entered into that book are the ones that actually go to heaven. Yeah. Narrow church is the gate that leads to heaven. But wide yeah. is the gate that leads to hell. The problem with it is, church, there are people here that, that I want to share with you in closing. In the last, just give me like six, seven minutes. Dan, give me like two minutes and then you come up. Sweet thing. <laughs> the Bible is full of some pretty harsh things, champions. Yes. The Bible is just not all roses and Rainbows and waterfalls. <laughs> Snow-covered mountains. Flowers that bloom in the sun. They wrote that song, everybody. Like, oh, Jesus, we just want to hug it out. Actually, Jesus talks about some pretty harsh things. But why does he properly communicate that to us? Because there's a lot of people headed for hell that think they're going to they're gonna get to heaven. And let me tell you, I'm going to give you a list here. People that are headed to hell. Can I do that? Yes. I know that's harsh, and I know next week, well, it ain't going to get any easier. Because <laughs> I'm going I'm to sum up the whole book of Revelation in about 30 minutes next week. It's gonna, I'm going to kick you straight in the teeth, so wear your mouth guard. <laughs> but hey, amen. You know, this is to help us. Yes. Right? Yes. Now, let's talk about people that will not be yes. in heaven at the judgment seat. The, number one, you need to write this down, the procrastinator. Ouch. People love to procrastinate, even when they know what the right answer is. My wife took a bunch of girls to Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon. They, they had a layover in Seattle. They flew to Seattle. They had about 45 crisp minutes. And instead of going to the gate, right, they decide, i got to go to the party. i got to go get some Seattle t-shirts for the kids. All the while, I'm sitting at a restaurant with my children about to head to the airport to pick up my beautiful wife and the other six girls that are with her, and I get a phone call. The procrastinator's on the other line telling me that instead of going to the gate, they decided to go get food, go to the potty, buy things. They get to the gate, the plane's already left. They had the answer. They knew what time the plane was leaving. There were six girls with watches. There was no stinking excuse on, the, on God's green earth why you don't go to the, the place to find out when the plane is leaving. And I'm sitting there with three crying kids because mommy's not coming to home. Because she's a procrastinator. No, so she just made a simple mistake. But, but I say that to tell you that people have the answer. But yet they would rather 
procrastinate. Man, listen, we know all we need to know about Jesus. We just got to get busy inviting him to transform our lives. Because for a lot of us, we will say, hey, we got time. It's all good, man. We're just going to do what we're going to do. We got time. <laughs> the procrastinators will end up in hell. That's sad. Number two, the coward. You're not lacking information. You're just lacking the courage to make the decision today. The coward. That's the person you go witness to and they say, you know what, no thanks. Maybe they got friends around. They don't want anybody to find out that you're telling about Jesus and they need Jesus. And so instead of receiving Christ, you know, because of fear, because fear is in their lives, they're like, you know what, what happens if I choose Jesus over my friends? over the lifestyle that I, that I lead, over the home that I have. What is Jesus going to do? All of a sudden, we begin, we, we, we begin to doubt everything because we're full of fear. Yes. And what fear does, fear is, is not of God, it's of Satan. Yes. Right? Because perfect love casts out fear. Yes. Fear is of the devil. Fear will tell you, I don't need to get saved today because i got time. And in fact, I don't really want to change anything that I'm dealing with. Procrastinator and the coward will not make it into the kingdom of God. And number three, the prideful. The only reason you're going to hell is because you're prideful. Because what you believe about yourself is that you can run your life better than God can. You can work a job because you're smart, because you're good looking, because you're attractive, because you're better than your neighbor, because you have all of these things that you feel like you need to do. And what happens is pride comes in. Why did Satan fall from heaven? Because of something called pride. That says, I am better than God. My way is better than your way. Pastor, I hear your words, but I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. That's called pride. That's called arrogance. That's, that's why when we come to church, we say, Jesus, you are the reason we are here today. It's because of you. You are faithful. It's not because we're weak people, but because we serve a great God. That in Him, we do great mighty things. Prideful. And number four, the fourth person that will go to hell is the church member. Man, that was hard. The hardest thing, the harshest thing I've ever said. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell me that the Catholic goes to heaven. Nowhere in the Bible does the Methodist go to heaven, the Baptist, the non-denominational. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that at all. I don't want to offend you, but there's a lot of people that come to church that don't know Jesus. They've never had an experience with Christ. According to Scriptures, you can be a good person and go to church your whole life and miss it. You can listen to the right music. You can buy the right clothes. You can send your kid to Christian school. You can come to church. You, you, can, you can do all of these things. And yet if you don't have the right experience with God, you will not see heaven. Man, that's harsh. It says right here, God could care less about denominational affiliations. He's going to ask you, what did you do with your son? What did you do with my son? Excuse me. The Bible says in, in, in Matthew 7, read this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Dave, come up here, sweet thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Listen to this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Jesus says here, then I will tell them plainly, man, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Man, I don't want to be there. I don't want God to say that to me. I don't want to show up at the wrong place because I never knew God. Because I never heard the voice of my Heavenly Father. Because every day I lived this life according to my ways and my plans. And I forgot that God wanted to use my resources and my time and my money to make a difference in a world that is dying and, 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 and going to hell in a wide way. 
Listen, the Christian life is living a life in a freedom-filled, wide way. But you won't ever see it if you don't ask Jesus and have an experience with Jesus Christ. We are all going to stand at one point or the other, church. you got to begin to tell people this. Where are you going? Where are you going to be today? For the Christ follower today, closing. Can you stand in front of God and say, God, I've given you my very best. I've given you my best effort. And even if D equals degree, if you focused on that, you worked your tail to further the kingdom of God. He's going to say, come on in. The water is fine. For the ones who don't know Jesus, you're the procrastinator, the coward. You're the arrogant church member that thinks just because you come on Sunday morning, it's all good. I'm going to tell you, out of the love of my heart today, this is your day today. This is your day to make it right. I, I, I am not going to allow you to miss it today as your pastor. It's kind of like my kids, man. There are things I don't want my kids to do. Sometimes i got to just drag them doing it. Go in the opposite direction because of the love of my heart to save my son. And the love that I have for you today, church, you would have an experience with Christ. I want you to stand your feet this morning. We're going to be done in three minutes. But I'm going to give you an opportunity today that I don't normally give you. I'm going to open up the front of these altars up here. And you know, the, the altar of God, there's nothing special about being closer to the front of the church. But what it says is that, God, I'm going to adjust my motives. And I'm going to take a step of faith. And I'm going to say, God, I want you to come into my life today. We're going to say a prayer today. All of us. We're going to ask Jesus to come in our heart and start that journey today. And if you, if you will do this with me today, you'll believe it in your heart. Let me read what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, because it's going to help you decide what you want to do right now. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. Simple as that. I'm going to give you an opportunity today. I'm going to pray for two people. The person that is headed to the great white judgment where you will be given account for all of the sin and you'll, you'll, you'll head to hell. Now I'm also going to give a, a time to pray for the person that has some motives that are just wrong. That you know today that if you were to die today and you headed to heaven, that everything that you've done on this earth would be burned up because it was all built with wood, hay, and cheap material. Because I believe and know that this week you will have an opportunity to build your life with gold and with silver and with fine jewels that will last for eternity. And when you and I get to heaven, you'll walk up and say, thanks, Pastor, for what you taught me on that Sunday in April 2016 because it rocked my world and allowed me to see something I've really never seen before. If you're here today and you need me to pray for one of those two things, I want you to come to the front. I want you to be bold enough to say, you know what? I'll count me in, Jesus, on one of those prayers. So come on. Let's get busy coming up, up to the front. If that's you, if you need Jesus today, or if you need to say, God, I'm with you. I'm going to work out these motives. I'm going to work out my, my character today. I'm going, to, I'm going to start looking at my stewardship and I'm going to begin to give financially. I'm going to begin to, to, to use my giftings today in the kingdom of God like ever before. Maybe you need to join the dream team after church today because you have spent your life building it for yourself and not for God. What is it today? What is it that God is trying to tell you? If that's you, I need you to come to the front. And I'm just going to wait. Because God is here to meet you, church. 
He's here to meet you right where you're at. Don't, don't be afraid. Nothing special about being up here except the fact that you are telling God, I'm going to do this thing with you. Then sing us a song. Save their life. 
and gave them so many opportunities that God, and God wanted them. Listen, please listen. This is your last chance, he told them. And, and I'll tell you something. You have an opportunity today that, 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 that people that are not here are not going to have. I, I don't want you to miss it. And as we're praying today, even if you didn't have the boldness to come up here, we're going to pray this prayer together. Because you need it today. Life or death, friends. Yes. I don't. I don't normally lay it out like that, but I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that today. He so wants to be with you in heaven. His Son paid the ultimate price so that you and I can have what we have today, and it's amazing. I want us to pray the sinner's prayer, is what what Christians call it. And I want us to say it together. And if you're up here, I want you to hold your hands out to God. And I want you to receive Jesus today. That's what I want you to receive in your heart. I want you to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave. And you rose from the grave. And I confess you as my Lord. And I confess you as my Lord. Come into my life. Come into my life. And take over my life. And take over my life. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. I want you to keep your head bowed today. I want to pray for you guys today. That you would begin to build like never before with gold, silver, and precious things. But you got to get busy building with the right things. Your motives have got to be pure in Jesus. It can't, it can't be a heart of what, what you get out of it. It's got to be a heart of God, I love you. And I want to be with you. And I want you to guide and direct my life today. I want you to hold your hands out again today. Dear Jesus, as we hold our hands out today, we receive your words into our lives, God. We receive the words of life that you've spoken to us today, God. Let our motives be pure today. Let them be righteous today. Let, let us be focused on you, Jesus, and our relationship to you, God. Today, we stand and we say, God, we are, we are making a line of sand that says we are never going back to a life lived for ourselves but we are going further in, with a future in you, Jesus. We will begin to build lives around us with generosity. We will begin to give of our time like never before. We will give of our resources and our finances. If we've not today, God, we say we will be faithful to you, Jesus. And you will use every area of our lives to produce good things in the lives around us, God. We will give of our gifts, Father. We will come and serve your house. We will make your house great. We will further the kingdom of God with every resource that you have put into our hands, Father, because you are the source of life, Jesus. It's because of you that we can do all things. And, and we just thank you for that, God. Thank you for what you've done in this church this day, Lord. For you are great today, God. And we thank you that we have dedicated our lives to you today. In Jesus' mighty name, Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, church. God is so good, church. I want to tell you in closing, I love to close multiple times. <laughs> if you haven't given your all, start today. If you've been withholding some things because maybe your heart is is a little infected with some, some messiness. Begin to serve. God will open up that, that, that part of your heart and begin to heal it. If, if you're dealing with some bitterness, maybe some, some I shoulda, coulda, wouldas, just begin to sow into the God's kingdom. I told you what Tom did today, how God blessed him. Why did he do that? Because God is, because Tom every day gets up and says, God, use me today. To be the best employee that I, that, that job has. And yes. every step of the way, God has used his life for great and mighty and noble purposes. When Tom gets to heaven, 
Jesus is going to say, come on in. Because you were a faithful servant. I want you to be faithful this week, church. There are people that need your faithfulness. And I love you. And I'm so glad you're champions today. If you ask Jesus in your heart, make sure you fill out a connect card. And you please give it to Cindy in the back. She will be there waiting for you. She's got a Bible for you. We've got information that we want to give you. Do not leave today without the resources to be successful in this world. It is called the Roadmap to Life. The Word of God will transform your life like never before. I love you and I'm so thankful for you. Just begin to thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time for the third part in our How to Survive the End of the World series. Have a blessed one.